You know why React is so high in satisfaction? Because it's so complicated to use that makes you feel like you're a total ninja when you're using it. <laughs> feel called out. When really all you're doing is using 10 lines to solve a two-line problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes you jump through so many hoops that you feel like you're on American Ninja Warrior reaching the top of that <laughs> giant thing just for writing a little bit of code when really they made you do this. This was just solving a web problem. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by our friends at Square. Develop on the platform that sellers trust. Here's what you could do with Square. You could bridge more experiences. You could build online, mobile, and in-person commerce experiences that connect more customers and sellers. You can build custom booking solutions. You can create and track orders. You can accept payments. You can manage and curate inventory. You can organize customers. You can manage employees. You can extend Square gift cards to your app. You can use Afterpay. So much is available as a Square Solutions partner. Learn more and get started at changelog.com slash square. Again, changelog.com slash square. This is JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. We record live each and every Thursday. Join us, why don't you? Subscribe at youtube.com slash changelog to get notified of when we go live. Special thanks to our partners at Fastly for shipping JS parties super fast all around the world. Check them out at fastly.com. And to our friends at fly.io, host your app servers close to your users, no ops required. Learn more at fly.io. Hey, it's debate time, y'all. I hope I win. Hoy, internet friends. It's me, Nick, on your favorite podcast, JS Party. We're here with another very exciting Yep, Nope debate episode. And with me today is Amelia Wattenberger. Amelia, what's up? Hey, hey. Nothing. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm not part of this debate, so I get to reserve my thoughts until the end, I guess. So that's great. And also joining is Amel. Amel, how's it going? Hi, Nick. Very excited to be here. Yeah. And uh, hope to not make too many enemies. <laughs> this is this is just a TV show. That's not a TV show. It's like a podcast, but I still, you know, we're actors, everybody. So yeah, sometimes actors have to play parts yes. that they like that isn't their character. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. And also K-Ball. K-Ball, how's it going? Nope. 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 I think we know which team you're going to be on, Team Nope. And we have a special guest this week and kind of the um, the man behind the premise of the entire debate, and that is Josh Collinsworth. Josh, how's it going? It's good. And let me just take this opportunity to say, yep. <laughs> <laughs> now we know what team you're on. Josh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a uh, senior front-end developer at Shopify currently. I've been doing development for a few years now. Before that, I was a graphic designer, and people told me, you should learn code, and I'm a people pleaser. So I did, but really, I actually <laughs> just really like it. And um, in my spare time, I enjoy technical writing and blogging. I've written some for CSS Tricks and a few other publications. And recently, I wrote a post about React that was just a collection of some thoughts I had at the time. And I definitely didn't expect to uh, 
get any kind of popular, but uh, it's kind of prompted us all to be here today in a way. So this will be interesting. And I, too, am hoping not to make too many enemies after today. <laughs> well, yes, it is a very interesting article. I was very excited to read it. It's called The Self-Fulfilling Prophecy of React. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. So that is kind of the premise that we have here. For those of you that are new to this format of episode, what this is, is it's a debate episode. We call it Yep, Nope, kind of based on the Alex Sexton Yep, Nope kind of a feature detection library for JavaScript. And the premise of today's show is going to be, is React only great at being popular? So that very loaded premise, debating that very loaded premise, we're going to have Team Yep, which is going to be Josh and Amel. And then debating against that is going to be Team Nope, Amelia and Cable. And I'm just in the middle moderating this, my first time moderating, so I immediately lose. Nick is on the fence. That's what you are. You're on the fence. You're like, yeah, you get to be Switzerland, you know? Exactly. You get to be everybody's friend. <laughs> I'm coming out of this employable. And also everybody's government, you know? <laughs> and possibly everybody's enemy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. Also, did you say this was Alex Sexton was the, like, inspiration behind this? Because I got to work with him for a little while. I didn't realize that. Yeah, just the name, the the Yep Nope from his uh, oh, feature detection. Yeah, such a small world. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> So the format of this is going to be, I'll be the moderator, I'll be enforcing some time constraints, and each of you will have two minutes to make your case in this first segment. And so we'll start with ladies first, and we'll go, I'll give you two minutes, and I'll start a clock. And then when it's over, I will play this sound. What? I will probably play it a couple of times because it is very easy to talk over, poor bone skull in this uh, as a buzzer. That will be the buzzer. You'll have two minutes to make your case, and then we'll move on to the next person, and we'll kind of go through everyone there and then we will come back in the the second round for some more rapid fire rounds and then of course at the end we've all been assigned viewpoints on this and so that doesn't necessarily reflect where we're at so in the third segment we are going to kind of talk about what we really feel about react in general so stay tuned for that don't dislike us from just the first two segments yes if you only listen to the first bit you might hate some of us but <laughs> yeah like every engineering question, there's probably nuance. If you give it to the end, you might just hate all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I'll take that, okay? If by the end of this show you still hate everyone, then you know what? That's There's nothing we can do. We did our jobs. We've done our jobs. <laughs> right. Also, Nick, who gets to go first? I'm glad that you said ladies first. I did. I was like, wait, like that's awesome. But that means I have to potentially go first. <laughs> I'm just hoping, can I punt this to Amelia? Because like, you know, okay. I'm thinking, you know, Amelia, Amel, you know, like, yeah. So yeah. her name is longer than mine. You're the positive premise. I think you should go first and lay it out there. Oh, gosh. No, I think that you're the status quo. And so <laughs> you should go first. I was also thinking, can ladies first be ladies choose who goes first? <laughs> oh, I like that. Yes. You know what? Sure. We can do that. Yeah, I choose uh, Josh to go first and Cable. Thanks. Okay. Good job, Amelia. <laughs> I like that. Josh, it is your article, so if you are prepared, I will put two minutes on the clock, Okay, and you can start. All right. This feels like it should be easy, because basically all I'm doing is summarizing the article that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you cheated. Damn it. So actually, is there like a soundboard? Are we going to have like, you know how the boxing matches have that dung-dung? Is there going to be a dung-dung? I have a what? What? Okay. But is there like a start <laughs> to the, like, okay, it's fine. I'm going to stay quiet now. 
I'll like. All right. <laughs> I'll let you press the buttons. <laughs> yeah. I'll make some sounds up as we go. And I'm sure Jared can fix it in post. <laughs> so. Okay, cool. Beep. so we've kind of reached this point in tech where React is more or less the default choice for any given project. It's reached that critical mass where it feels like the safe default for everything, but there's any number of criteria from performance to bundle size to onboarding to just complexity, uh, dev experience, like all of these things are areas in which React doesn't really win on its own, generally speaking, in which there are better options. And when you kind of zoom out and look at the big picture, you you kind of realize React is really pretty mediocre at just about every given category. And the only category it really excels in is just being the thing, just being the popular thing, just the one that we all know and is the one that people hire for because it's what they teach, because it's what they hire for. So whether it's performance, React is not coming out on top, bundle size, probably not. It is certainly far more complex to use, uh, has a lot more gotchas to learn than the other frameworks do. Some people point to the unopinionated nature of it as a benefit, and that's a little more subjective, I guess. For me, that leads to a lot of fragmentation and spending a lot of time looking for a solution when I would just wish, man, I, I, there should just be a solution. It should just be handled for me already. I shouldn't be spending my afternoon looking at 10 different libraries and reading comments on the internet. Don't make me read comments on the internet to choose things. <laughs> I don't like doing that. Um, I do enough shopping online. So that's I guess kind of my summary of where I'm coming from with all this, like we've crowned the winner, but the winner doesn't actually win at anything. What? Perfect. That was, I played the sound three seconds early. That was a perfect opening statement. So nice job. Uh, nice job, Josh. All right. Now on team Nope, that's Amelia and Cable. Amelia, would you like to pick which one of you goes first? Yeah, I'd love to. I feel like Cable is, is a really solid opening act for us. Sounds good. K-Ball, take it away. All right. So we're going to talk about a little bit of this, but I'm going to talk about one of the things that's downstream of popularity. When you are popular, you have to handle all the different cases. And so you cannot necessarily focus on one thing to the exclusion of others. You highlighted all of these different categories you might be considering as a, a point. And if all I care about was absolute performance, I'm going to ship static HTML problem is that only works so far. It works for a few problems. And each of the frameworks that you're talking about may excel on one dimension. But when you're building an application to sell, you're going to have to take into account all of those different dimensions. So I would posit that being above average, which I think calling React mediocre on these factors is, is really pretty pitiful. They may not be the top on very many of these factors, but they are above average for your choices along every factor that you're going to have to consider as a developer. And for that reason, when I'm looking at the future and trying to preserve my options, they are a top choice. I would like to highlight a couple of things. In your article, you looked at state of JS survey. I also looked at the Stack over survey, Overflow survey. And I would note that React has an 84% satisfaction, which is higher than Vue, almost two times higher than Angular, not far behind Svelte, with way more usage. Like, two times more usage to almost 25 times more usage across these. So if React were only being used because everyone is doing it, you'd expect with 80% of people in the survey you reference using it, 
it would be getting way lower scores. Now I'm gonna highlight a couple particular features. So hooks are one. Hooks are genuinely great. And sure, most frameworks now have hooks or hook-like features. I love the composition API and view, don't get me wrong, but let's be honest, none of that would have happened without the React team paving the way. Hooks was still first and the implementation in React is still pretty amazing. There's also the factor of stability guarantees. So other than possibly Ember, what? which, oh, what? what? I'm like a third of the way done. Okay, we're gonna have another couple of rounds of this going on. So oh, yeah. you have only begun to witness the ways in which React what? is far more powerful <laughs> than just being popular. Objection, I, I think the court should overrule that. We have to retract the statement. Yes. After anything after the first what should be removed from the transcript or whatever. What? I don't know. It shall be stricken from the record at yes. the editor's behest. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's fine. I'm, <laughs> Which I'm, means it'll probably still be there. It'll probably still be there, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Well, yeah. Now it is your turn, Amel. It is my turn. Ding, yeah. ding. Okay, you have to start the clock from now, okay? Don't like the other, like, oh, no. I'm losing time. Okay. Well, you know what, K-Ball? That was a very interesting take. And I'd say the word mediocre is subjective, right? And I would say... React has done a phenomenal job of paving the way and I think pushing us forward as a community to think about components and those are all great things. However, 2013 is when it came out and in JavaScript years, you know, we're in 2022. So React might as well be like going into its grave, right? So we're the community of innovation on the web, you know, nothing, you're either moving forward or you're dead in JavaScript, right? So like, we are the innovators and quite frankly, React has been <laughs> over innovating in some areas and under innovating in others. I think by trying to kind of have this API, like you said, right? It's this wide reach, it's used and it's popular and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what happens when you trying to appease everyone and when you have like one core library that's like the base for so much, you know, it means you're doing lots of things in a mediocre way and some things, some things well, most things not so well, right? And so when you're thinking about your API design, you have to be intentional. And as a library author, you have to kind of resist the temptation, right? Like do one thing and one thing well. And I think React kind of lost the story when it tried to reinvent JavaScript engines in the browser, quite frankly. Thread management, scheduling, concur, this, that, and the other thing. I think when they first rolled out some of those features, like Facebook.com had bugs. Like every abstraction in the web has a cost. And React for me is just too much of a cost at this point, like I can't like justify that cost. And, you know, the only kind of case where I would consider using like React in 2022 for a new application. What? Gonna cut you off right there, right at the perfect cliffhanger. I was trying to target multi-platform users, you know, um, <laughs> that's about it. That's about it. <laughs> you didn't hear that. Yeah. You didn't hear her perfect case for React. Yeah. <laughs> Stopped right there. All right. <laughs> So we have one more, and that is Amelia. Amelia, do you want to have your nope opening statements? Yes. So first of all, nope. Second of all, so we always talk about how React is super unopinionated. And as a veteran of the framework wars of like 2015, I just want to say we don't want to go back there. It was exhausting having a new framework every single week. Life is much better under the benevolent monarchy of react like isn't it nice to have one framework that works pretty much everywhere and there's a library hey i want a library that has a 3d rotating globe with lines on it 
you know what? You just Google it. It's there. You pull it in. Pretty easy. Life is good. Do we really want to go back to life before React? Another argument is if we're going to have one ruling framework, don't we want it to be unopinionated? So React is really nice because it's basically just a rendering library with like a minimal state management solution. There's so many other things that build on React that kind of make it equivalent to other frameworks. So even if you think about like meta frameworks, there have been so many popular ones. Like I think when it came out, there wasn't one. And then there was Create React App and Next and Remix. And there are ways to have a more opinionated React ecosystem but you're not really forced into any of them. So if, say, Svelte or Vue or Angular were the benevolent king, would that really be better? And then the other thing I want to say is if you look at the state of JS, the chart we keep mentioning, I think the x-axis is satisfaction and the y-axis is popularity or the reverse. But damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back to that. That's kind of like the remix to like that song. I can't get no doo doo doo. There's, you know, I thought that there was yeah. going to be like a remix of that. But, anyways, that's fine. Status watching. Speaking of remix, you yourself are making React references here, talking what? about remix. Like you, <laughs> you talk about React being down, but you're bringing up remix. <laughs> oh, please. I'm talking about musical remixes, not like frameworks that think they're. DJ songs, okay? No, no. <laughs> well, speaking of remixes, we are going to remix this argument in the next section. But first, we have to close out this one. So we've heard the opening statements of all four of our contestants. And honestly, they're all really compelling arguments. I was told that I have to assign points, though. And so I'm doing my collating right now. And yes, the winner of the first round is Jared, because he's not here. <laughs> so congratulations, Jared. <laughs> We'll see you in the next round. Such a Swiss man, Nick. <laughs> he wins every one of these. And so we have to continue that. <laughs> All right. We'll see you in the next round for more rapid fire discussion. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Century and their upcoming developer experience conference called DEX. Sort the madness. This is a hybrid event you can attend in San Francisco or virtually on September 28th. They have an amazing speaker lineup. And I'm here with Sarah Guffles, head of DevRel at Century. Sarah, what's the story with this conference? Well, coding is hard. We at Century know this. We integrate with everything that we possibly can to make that process easier for developers, to make fixing errors and performance issues actionable as quickly as possible. And we can't fix this. <laughs> we can't fix the fact that coding is hard. We can't fix the fact that our ecosystem continues to grow and get ever more complex. So we created DEX. DEX by Century stands for Developer Experience. And the goal here is to ignite this conversation, this community around the fact that coding is hard and that we need to come together as an entire industry to solve for the people problems, for the tools problems, for the process problems, whatever the problems are. We need to come together and share various solutions and approaches to making that developer experience better.
And that's why this year we have invited speakers only. We actually didn't have a CFP. We have Guillermo, the CEO of Vercel. We've got April, who leads GitHub Code Spaces. Jewel, who's been an engineering leader at Reddit for over five years. Divya, who is an incredible engineer and leader at Fly.io. And so many more people that have just a vast amount of experience leading through chaos, leading through these moments of, oh my God, I just took down YouTube or, oh my God, there's this huge outage on Dropbox. And they have a lot of experience, knowledge, and suggestions for how we can get started on improving our developer experience. If you can't come in person, which it'll be in San Francisco at the Pearl, highly recommend you still register and attend our live stream version. We actually have Anthony, who's a Century engineer, who is also an avid Twitch streamer, who will be hosting our live streamed event. So it's not just some awkward camera in the corner. But if you can come in person, we definitely welcome you. And I hope to see you there. Okay, virtually or in person, either works. Save your seat now using this trusted Bitly link. That's bit.ly slash dex2022. That's bit.ly slash dex2022. The link is in the show notes. So we've heard the opening arguments of each of our contestants. We've made our preliminary decisions about who's right in this premise. Is React only great at being popular? What do you think, audience? Be sure to write us and let us know. Stop right here. Write in. Don't wait for the end of the episode to uh, come to a conclusion. We want your your hot take right now. Speaking of hot takes. Changelog Slack. Come into the Changelog Slack. That's true. If you're watching on YouTube, Changelog Slack. <laughs> hot takes right now in JS Party Channel. K-Ball is way better at doing these plugs than I am, so I appreciate that, K-Ball. <laughs> All right. Speaking of hot takes, we are going to continue this discussion with a rapid fire round. We're going to go and do a one minute round each. And at the end of the minute, if you have um, tagged someone or if you have called someone's argument out, they will get a chance to rebut it as well. And so we're going to do this. We'll start with one minute. And where should we start? I don't know that there's a, uh, a specific place to start here, but let's start with Cable. Cable seems to be chomping at the bit. Yes. I want to call out Amel with her, we are the innovators approach. All right. On the one hand, you're arguing we should be moving to more innovative frameworks. And on the other hand, you're arguing that the fact that React is trying to push us forward in some of the biggest gaps around web development, like how to a handle asynchronous data fetching and interactions with your rendering pipeline, lack of threads and prioritization. These are the things that we need innovation on and React is the framework that is doing it. And sure, if you don't need that functionality, use something that doesn't deal with it. If you don't need interactivity, build something with raw HTML. If you don't need to worry about data fetching, oh wait, what are you building where you don't need to worry about data fetching? We all need to worry about data fetching if we're working in a JavaScript framework. And yes, I agree. Suspense is weird. I'm deeply skeptical of throwing promises and all of that stuff. They're weird too. And yet, it is attacking a very real problem that every single one of us has where most other frameworks have just kind of thrown up their hands and said, hey, it's the user's problem. 
So I'm withholding judgment about whether suspense in what? particular as it's implemented will be the solution. But this is another place where, again, <laughs> React is pushing the world of front-end development forward, Objection. making things better for developers, what? and we are the innovators. What? I object. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go. What? And I want a bonus 30 seconds because, okay, bonus 30 seconds starts now. <laughs> okay, Ball, I appreciate uh, that rebuttal. So I have to remind you that innovation should not be happening in JavaScript land. We need to push browser engines and rendering and like JavaScript engines and rendering engines to be better. However, we also need to curb our enthusiasm for JavaScript. I don't know, like we're shipping tons of JavaScript. I know, let's just use JavaScript to manage JavaScript. No, like how about we just ship less JavaScript, right? Like, which is where all of the thought leaders within JavaScript are pushing us towards. Astro, Svelte, right? Vue. Secondly, I want to kind of go to Amelia's point from earlier. Amelia, you said like, oh, like, I really love this land of where I have interoperability and things just work. And yes, I get it. We're in the golden age of like not having to change your framework every week. That's exciting. But guess what? You also just don't have to change your framework every week if you use web primitives. I don't know, like web components, maybe all of our reusable things, maybe that button and that drop down list and that calendar icon that or whatever calendar date picker thing that we have to reinvent every time there's a new framework, maybe that should just be written in like the base primitive, right? So I think we need to rethink the way our APIs are shaped. We need to rethink about what's reusable, what's composable, what's something that I should write once for real, only once, right? And we need to rethink, you know, what is it that we're using our JavaScript frameworks for? And what? frankly, React is just a confusing what? API now. It's lost its luster. And for me, it's what? just way too much complication. And I can get a more bang for my buck anywhere else. Bye-bye. Mike dropped. Mike dropped, yes. <laughs> Mike dropped sound. Yeah, that was a fantastic rebuttal. It's also about this. Web lovers. Okay, I'm a web lover. I love the web. <laughs> I have to think, is React really good for the arc and the health of the web? I don't know, kids. I don't know. Do you really want to come back to a React application in 10 years and have to figure out how the hell to run all those build tools and how to update? Like, no, you know, simple is good. My grunt file is doing just fine. Thank yeah, you. Well, I'm just saying, you know, like we have lost our taste for simplicity because I think people are hungry to solve problems and they don't realize that like we are over-engineering the wrong things. Like I'm just putting it mildly and simply. Mm -hmm. Amelia, your response. Alrighty. So my first response is that one of the beauties of React is that it has a really low floor and a really high ceiling. So with the low floor, you don't need to ship JavaScript just because you're building something with React. You can ship a static HTML page. It's just that your developer experience is way nicer than just writing HTML. And then with the high ceiling, going back to like, should we be experimenting within like the core web functionality, which I'm not sure I totally buy that. I feel like if we're gonna be innovating and experimenting, it should be on a framework that people put on top of web technology instead of in the core, because we know, first of all, that's really slow. Second of all, it has to all be backwards compatible. So if you add something to browser engines, you can't take it out really. So you're stuck with it. So if you're going to be experimenting, then I say it should be in React instead of the browser. No, I'll leave it at that. You're so polite. You can continue if you want. <laughs> Nick wants no. to get his what out. <laughs> 
I was going to go back to this stupid thing I was mentioning earlier with the, the, Gloves off. the, the popularity versus satisfaction <laughs> cycle. And I was just going to finish it. <laughs> Don't want me. And what? it's just a, it's like a cyclical thing, right? Like when something isn't super popular, the people using it don't have to use it. And so it goes up in satisfaction and then it gets more popular because more people are satisfied with it and they're talking about it. And then it starts going down in satisfaction because everyone has to use it at work. Yeah. And that's usually like one hype cycle. And I feel like because React has been around since, did you say 2013? It's amazing. React is like corporate enterprise JavaScript now. It's like, you know, it's like the base stack for every new company's thing. It is. Right. But if it's at that point of the hype cycle, it's amazing that it's still so high up in satisfaction mm. as opposed to all these other new frameworks. Preach. Mm-hmm. Very well said. We have one more guest to get their hot take on. So Josh, do you want to? All right. I'm going to go all in on this one. Here you go. You know why? Because the timer is just up in the air. It's you, you just, go. <laughs> you know why React is so high in satisfaction? Because it's so complicated to use that makes you feel like you're a total ninja when you're using it. <laughs> feel called out. When really all you're doing is using 10 lines to solve a two line problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes you jump through so many hoops that you feel like you're on American Ninja Warrior reaching the top of that <laughs> giant thing just for writing a little bit of code when really it, it, they made you do this. This was just solving a web problem. <laughs> I also want to call out the we don't need to go back to whatever bad time before. I, we don't want to go back. Nobody's saying we're going back. That's the opposite of what we want. We want to move forward. Mm-hmm. React is firmly entrenched in the past. All of those decisions that were made nearly a decade ago are still in place. They are still having reverberations, and we have moved long since past them at this point. We we don't need JSX for anything. Let's just be honest. Like, we don't need JSX when we got HTML or <laughs> JavaScript. Give me a chance to rebut this one, please. <laughs> Go for it. It is a kludge. It is clumsy. It is just a way to shoehorn HTML somewhere that HTML should not be. Label for. <laughs> yeah, HTML for class name. <laughs> I don't know the difference between props and attributes. What's a class name? I've got to have a synthetic event system. Yeah. I just got to I got to jump in here because people <laughs> love to hate on JSX. And there are real trade-offs between templates and templating languages and JSX. But let's talk a little bit about the benefits that JSX brings to you. So JSX. I'm sorry, is... did you just get a new turn now? What is happening? <laughs> Absolutely, because you brought out the JSX. Now, JSX is a domain-specific language for generating HTML. And if there is one programming concept that is underutilized in the industry, it is writing DSLs, domain-specific languages. You can get so much freaking productivity and communicability by moving into a domain-specific language. And what this does is it allows you to bring the full power of JavaScript to bear on your problem, as well as domain-specific sugar and help and a way to talk about and think about things that make sense for rendering HTML. And as much as I do love templates and I do love templating languages and I love writing bare HTML, there is a real cognitive load to jumping back and forth between mental models and programming languages, while JSX essentially lets you stay in the JavaScript mental model throughout. And you can write it in all the different ways you write JavaScript. So if you like writing imperative stateful JavaScript, you can write imperative stateful JSX. If you prefer pure functions and composition and really clean and beautiful functions, functional architectures, you can do the same thing with JSX. And this is a huge reduction in cognitive load as you move through parts of the application. Like this was the key initial insight of 
React was you put these things that are conceptually together together in a place where you can work on them without having to jump context, without having to jump mental models, without having to do all of these different mental gymnastics. And it's a dramatic unlock in terms of productivity and being able to think about this way. Uh, so you mean if I want to write a if statement, I can just write one in JSX. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> if you really want to, you can. So yes, there is enough rope to hang yourself or whatever. I can just do a loop, just a JavaScript loop? Yeah, absolutely. The more power you get, the more foot guns you can get. With great power. You know what, you know what, you know what my favorite, when I say favorite, I mean favorite not feature of JSX is dangerously set inner HTML. <laughs> What's so dangerous about HTML's inner parts? <laughs> I don't know. But they're dangerous on the internet of React. React's internet, of course. Because clearly injecting unsanitized data is not dangerous to anyone. <laughs> well, you know what? I don't really think like SQL injection or, you know, whatever else is like what's happening most of the time here. Cross-site scripting is not a problem anymore. And <laughs> you know what? This is its own debates, right? I'm just saying like React basically makes it difficult to kind of do anything with the HTML, right? Like you have to use JavaScript for everything. Like JavaScript gets in the way of, there's no direct communication between- it's Atwood's law. Like the developer and their HTML, right? Like everything is created by React. Like what's up with that, you know? React generates my HTML. I'd also like to point out, since we're just sticking on this, forever now, I guess. 90% uh, of that argument was not specific to JSX. It was just specific to domain-specific languages. Show me another domain-specific language for rendering HTML. There are far less clunky ways to do it. Show me Quick another domain-specific language for rendering HTML. <laughs> Mustache? Handlebars? I don't know. <laughs> Liquid. That's a templating language. Which, once again, it's like library versus framework for <laughs> how we put HTML on the page. What right. It, yeah. I would say, to be honest with you, I like um, what's his face? Um, it has an MPX something, something PX. So, markup languages are useful, right? So, generating a templating language with markup is okay. that is useful. And then you have a separated concept, basically, compiler and integration, mm. but you end up doing a totally different set of things, which mm. there is a taste aspect there. Right. Right. And like, there are definitely benefits to templates, right? The thing you just picked on dangerously set inner HTML, set inner HTML. That is an example where in a template, in a templating language, you can actually get do a lot easier stuff because of the world you're in, you don't have as much flexibility. So you don't need to put as many controls in place to keep yourself safe. Right. So a benefit of a templating language is you can actually be much more careful about how you're doing standardization and all that mm -hmm. much simpler. Right. But you lose a lot as well. There's a lot of things that you might want to do that are much harder to express in a templating language. Like the expressiveness stuff, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds way too nuanced for this part. Would dangerously set inner HTML be, be as controversial if it were just three open curly braces? <laughs> oh, I like that. Look at you, Nick, PC, and your nice API design. I see an RFC coming. Yeah, three curly braces is... If I remember correctly, that's like the, the handlebars way of just render whatever. Just drop what I put in here and, and do it. Just do it. Yeah. Hashtag Mikey. At least the dangerously part. Like it's called Trust out. Trust me, I know this content is good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Trust me, I know what I'm doing. I think it should just be called Trust Me, Do It. <laughs> do it. 
in Shimmel. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, the just do it. I just want to highlight how good of a point it is that in your article, Josh, you talk about the learning curve for React, right? And there's quite a learning curve. But at the heart of it, if you know JavaScript, you know pretty much all of React, right? Like if we're using JavaScript instead of a templating language with JSX, you don't have to look up like, oh, is it like if, hash if, or like ng if, right? Like if you know JavaScript, you know how to conditionally render some HTML or loop over something. You're not going back and forth with the, to the docs and to your text editor and a little bit afraid of the looks you're giving me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was always my argument for React, like over Angular. I remember thinking, wow, like I don't have to learn all about all these pipes and filters and all these like mystical things that are very domain specific to Angular, for example, mm -hmm. like JavaScript and React are just, they are one in the same, right? That part was awesome. You kind of have to squint your eyes a little bit at JSX. It's like, I don't know what the hell's going on there, right? And then for me, like the hooks, it, well, I mean, I actually really don't mind JSX, right? But like the hooks API is really where I, for me, that was like the beginning of the end for me. It just, it's just a very clunky API. I feel like it's difficult to use. People, people think they know it, but they really don't. And and for me, like this really ties into the, your point earlier, Emilia and K-Ball around learning React, right? I think Emilia especially. So the reason why hooks is a thing, uh, one of the main reasons is because people were really confused about this and the this keyword in JavaScript with React. And that was like a huge driving factor because like there was constantly community support questions about why is this not working? Why, you know, so like binding and like managing the this pointer and, you know, just was really, you know, classes just were a little confusing for folks. And for me, I wish we could have just kind of really redirected folks towards good fundamentals courses, because I think it's one of those things where like, yeah, I really do. Yeah, I, I have a hard time saying this because it's, it feels a little gatekeepy, right? But like, I do really think it's important for you to understand the fundamentals of a language, especially if you're going to be using it every day. And so, uh, yeah, I think React just like, hooks kind of bypassed the need for that. And, you know, yeah, you've got a lot of other powerful things too, but I don't know. I, I'm just... um. I'm not into React anymore and I haven't been and it feels good to be able to say that out loud because, <laughs> you know, no, because for, you know, for a while it was hard. It was hard to say that. Yeah. We could go on forever here, but I don't think classes and this was the reason for hooks. I think it's about composability and reuse of stateful. It was the primary driver from my understanding. I'm going to pretend to be the moderator again and uh, <laughs> pretend like this was all Planned. controlled very well. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that, that we've all made great points. <laughs> I don't know, even know where we're at anymore with that. <laughs> but to get us back on track, and now that I've sufficiently filled the quota for time on this segment, <laughs> let's go ahead and do a quick 30-second closing statement from each of you, and then we'll move on to the next uh, round where we can speak freely. So Josh, you were about to say something. Do you want to kick us off with a closing statement? Sure. I'll just say the argument was made, you know, it's easier for beginners to get into this because it's JavaScript whatsoever. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, maybe. If I see those double ampersands or the map instead of a loop, I don't know if that necessarily intuitively makes sense to me as a beginner. But I also want to point out, we should be careful how much we assign to a beginner's perspective, and we should be talking to the actual beginners. And in a lot of cases, the beginners do find that that templating is much more intuitive for them and much more simple and delightful to use. What? Dare I use the word. Very well said. Okay, Ball, do you want to give your closing statement? 
Sure. I will give a closing statement. So I think at this point we have covered all of the infinitely many ways that React is more than just popular. But I want to talk very quickly as a closing statement of something that's downstream from popular, something that popularity enables, but is not just about popularity, which is the incredible ecosystem you have around React in terms of documentation, learning resources, plugins, libraries, components. You know, if you're trying to accomplish something in React, there's going to be something out there that's going to help you do it. And that is something that is related to popularity, but it is not a guarantee. And it is a distinct and unique benefit that you get with React. All said. All right, Amelia. All right. So I just want to point out that I feel like the Yep team has kind of tied themselves in circles and a little bit contradicted themselves. (laughs) And I think that's just due to the tough position that they've been placed in where React is unopinionated, but also it's hard to use or like, I think the fact that it's unopinionated makes it a really, really good majority use framework where we've been building on it. It's iterated, you know, this was really confusing early on. And so they moved to a more uh, like functional component type of solution. So we're not using this and getting confused about it anymore. So just want to say that React is a benevolent dictator, which I guess it's changed from a monarchy, but it's okay. (laughs) And on that, we will end this segment. Well, this debate, I'm really not sure who won. Jerry did again. (laughs) Congratulations for not participating. And yes, I think that we will all show how we, like by our own admission, when we all pretty much go back to our day jobs of writing React, we'll figure out who won. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, stick with us through the break and we'll talk about our real thoughts on this. Wait, those weren't our real thoughts? They could have been. Just kidding. (laughs) I mean, they were mostly mine, but... um. (laughs) Yeah. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Fly. Fly lets you deploy full stack apps and databases closer to users, and they make it too easy. No ops are required. And I'm here with Chris McCord, the creator of Phoenix Framework for Elixir and staff engineer at Fly. Chris, I know you've been working hard for many years to remove the complexity of running full stack apps in production. So now that you're at Fly solving these problems at scale, what's the challenge you're facing? One of the challenges we've had at Fly is getting people to really understand the benefits of running close to a user, because I think... As developers, we internalize, as a CDN, people get it. They're like, oh yeah, you want to put your JavaScript close to a user and your CSS. But then for some reason, we have this mental block when it comes to our applications. And I don't know why that is. And getting people past that block is really important because a lot of us are privileged that we we live in North America and we deploy 50 millisecond hop away. So things feel fast. Like when GitHub, maybe they're deploying regionally now, but for the first 12 years of their existence, GitHub worked great if you lived in North America. If you lived in Europe or anywhere else in the world, you had to hop over the ocean and it was actually a pretty slow experience. So one of the things with Fly is it runs your app code close to users. So it's the same mental model of like, hey, it's really important to put our images and our CSS close to users. But like, what if your app could run there as well? API requests could be super fast. What if your data was replicated there? Database requests could be super fast. So 
I think the challenge for Fly is to get people to understand that the CDN model maps exactly to your application code. And it's even more important for your app to be running close to a user because it's not just requesting a file. It's like your data and saving data to disk, fetching data for disk, that all needs to live close to the user for the same reason that your JavaScript assets should be close to a user. Very cool. Thank you, Chris. So if you understand why you CDN, your CSS and your JavaScript, then you understand why you should do the same for your full stack app code. And Fly makes it too easy to launch most apps in about three minutes. Try it free today at fly.io. Again, fly.io. And by our friends at Sourcegraph, they recently launched Code Insights. Now you can track what really matters to you and your team in your code base. Transform your code into a queryable database to create customizable visual dashboards in seconds. Here's how engineering teams are using Code Insights. They can track migrations, adoption, and deprecation across the code base. They can detect and track versions of languages or packages. They can ensure the removal of security vulnerabilities like Log4j. You can understand code by team, track code smells and health, and visualize configurations and services. Here's what the engineering manager at Prezi has to say about this new feature. Quote, as we've grown, so has a need to better track and communicate our progress and our goals across the engineering team and the broader company. With Code Insights, our data and migration tracking is accurate across our entire code base, and our engineers and our managers can shift out of manual spreadsheets and spend more time working on code. End quote. The next step is to see how other teams are using this awesome feature. Head to about.sourcegraph.com slash code dash insights. This link will be in the show notes again, about.sourcegraph.com slash code dash insights. So that was our debate. Yep, nope, on React only being good at being popular. And of course, as we mentioned in the beginning, Josh and Amel were assigned to Team Yep. And even though Josh wrote the article that this whole thing is based off of, he might have differing thoughts on that. And then on the other side, Team Nope, Amelia, and K-Ball were arguing that no, that's not all that React is popular at. So where do y'all really stand on this? I feel like I want to hear from Josh first because he wrote the article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously I wrote the article. The piece has a lot more nuance than I think you probably heard from me today. I hope that comes through there. And I readily admit that, that although I'm not a fan of React, I will gladly take it in many circumstances if that's my option. Well, you use it at your day job at Shopify, right? I do. (laughs) And I'm very happy at my job in case any of my bosses are listening. Back to that like corporate severance JavaScript, you know? (laughs) If I'm picking, I'm not picking it. I do think that it has probably aged more poorly than a lot of people realize. I do still admit that it is very good. And I think, I think Cable honestly made a great point about the things that popularity brings, even if I would rebut by saying, you know, at a there's a point of diminishing returns with what popularity gets you. But yeah, somebody said like we're in the golden age of front end or something like that. And I do kind of feel like that. It's great that we have these choices. It's great that we have a solid default, even if it isn't one that I particularly enjoy. Yeah. And from that default, we got into a big tangent about JSX and kind of calling back to previous Yep Nope episodes, specifically with K-Ball, where he's appealing to authority and specifically appealing to Lori Voss, <laughs> talking about <laughs> these ideas that transcend 
the user land or transcend the front end. Well, JSX in a lot of ways has kind of transcended React. It's used in other places than just React. And my opinion is I I was there in 2013 when when Facebook announced it at JSConf and I laughed at it and I have a tweet out there that is not aged well. The silliest thing. Yeah. <laughs> and now <laughs> I really like writing JSX, specifically TSX. But that's a different oh, wow. story. Oh my god! Oh my god! We had to. I, I, I am obligated. Like you needed to say it. <laughs> could not get through one freaking show with Nick Nisi without bringing up his beloved TypeScript. <laughs> That's right. I will say that TypeScript support is one another driving factor for moving to functional models for state handling. And I have gone from being a place where I was a little skeptical of that level of typing to I don't know how I ever lived without it. So. <laughs> sorry <laughs> Nick's the only winner today <laughs> yeah <laughs> to go back to that point though K-Ball from my understanding that was a huge driver you know for hooks like people just didn't right like the, this context was hard right and then there was also the boilerplate problem right lots of boilerplate right so it's like okay like how do we take that and allow for more reuse and so you know the hooks API was born but for me, like it's a clunky API, I'm sorry. Like there's too many leaky abstractions, you know, there's too many implementation details. I'm like, why is, why are you exposing this to like end users? I feel like I have to really have a deep understanding of the framework internals in order to like really not foot gun with hooks and, you know, yeah, that's saying something, right? That's saying something about your API. And I'm an ex-seasoned user of React. I've been using it since 2013, early days, you know, very early adopter. And so if I'm coming here and saying like, this feels weird, this is unnatural and unintuitive, like for a very long time felt like the only person in the room that felt that way. Yeah. And it was hard, you know, it was very hard to be that person and it's getting less hard. I will say like that, I agree with that. Like it took a long time to like grab my head around hooks. <laughs> I like them now. I feel like they're powerful and you can do a lot with them, but also like I've never used Svelte like for anything, but I have looked at the Svelte homepage and when they just say like let counter equals one and then they say counter equals counter plus one later on and they're not doing like a use state and then calling a, get a setter to specifically set that like I like that, but also that kind of scares me because it's magic. And I have, have a, a magical callback array yeah. and <laughs> yeah, there are so many trade-offs involved. So if I'm going to step back, if I were doing a personal project right now, it would not be in React. Same. What would it be in? If I'm picking a language for a company, it probably is React. But you know, the the Svelte compiled, like having it basically go through a compile phase, gives you so many nice ways that you can get some of the benefits that you get with with hooks without some of the cognitive overhead of an awkward API. I also love, if I'm honest, like the view composition API feels to me like a much more beautiful implementation of the same concepts mm -hmm. of hooks. Now it comes with some of its own drawbacks because you have like things wrapped in different ways and you can't access values. Like there, everything in this has pros and cons. But yeah, hooks is not the most beautiful implementation of the the hook concept. I do think like you're highlighting the the this conflict again, and I feel like there's more than just trouble with like the syntax in this because I think where you really ran into trouble, like I guess React didn't ever really have this concept of mix-ins, but like trying to compose logic. Very early days, it did, and reuse it 
in the class-based model, I ran into that a lot in Vue. Like it was a nightmare to keep track of what's going on and understand how things are gonna relate to each other and compose with each other and all of that. And it was so easy to foot gun and it was just like a really hard mental model. And the hooks model and the composition API in Vue just makes it so much easier to reason about that and move things around and, and compose them. So you're right that there's an awkwardness to it and you're right that part of it was a hang up with the previous model, but I think it goes a little deeper than familiarity with the language. And I think it has to do with how do you bring together reusable concepts that interact with state. Right. I think it's worth mentioning to that point, like for as uh, unopinionated as React is, it is extremely opinionated about how you handle data and immutability. Mm -hmm. And I think that has roots in its Facebook origins and how the flux architecture, they were trying to create something that would help them wrangle the unthinkable complexity of this highly interactive application. And if that's where you're at, then maybe that system where you literally can't touch a variable unless you've gone through the proper steps first, maybe that makes a lot more sense for you. Oh my God, Josh, I've never heard that. That's so cool. No, I was just going to say um, like 100% to K-Ball's argument and also to what you just said, Josh, I feel like I'm still jet lagged from Svelte Summit, <laughs> which was a wonderful <laughs> conference. And I personally really, really love Svelte. For side projects, I will 100% use Svelte. It's just so much fun. There's way less boilerplate. Like the reactivity is so, so nice. And they have built in like animations. That just means there's way more magic, right? Magic's not a bad thing, Nick. I mean, magic is the opposite of leaky abstractions, you know? Mm -hmm. I think a little bit of magic is nice, but like not like Angular JS levels of magic that got a little bit painful. <laughs> yeah. And I think that kind of gets back to if at my day job we need a project we're going to hand off or that needs to be maintained for a long time, it, I feel like React scales a little bit higher, a little bit more easily. Like it's harder up front, but then if you have the data mutability and like, I think hooks scale a little bit higher. Like if you had a really large code base, I feel like it can be a little bit neater in React, especially because all those things y'all were talking about. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. I don't know. I think for me, if I, if I was starting up something for a company, if I had to pick, I'd probably be like Vue at this point. Vue and then Angular. You know, Angular is very much kind of like a platform. And I feel like it's very good for large enterprises with lots and lots of developers contributing because there's like really good conventions. And you know what I mean? There's that kind of batteries included feel with Angular, also view a little bit, right? So I think for me, those would be the two. But yeah, definitely not not React at this point. I was just thinking one other interesting thing was that at Salt Summit, there was some talk of uh, how Svelte isn't the biggest and how it doesn't want to be the biggest, right? Like success for a framework isn't necessarily more and more usage. Mm -hmm. Like I'm kind of really happy <laughs> selfishly with the way things are with React having such a large market share and Svelte being like this fun thing that I, I do for projects that are more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, that brings up a, a question that I wanted to ask in this section, and, and that is, do you think that this would be the fate of any of these frameworks? Like if Svelte had come out first, maybe, and gotten to the popularity level that React is at, would we all be hating on it as just as much, especially if it was Facebook-backed? According to the hype cycle uh, that Amelia was talking about, I would say probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's reasonable to assume 
that it takes time for something to become the majorly adopted choice. And in order for it to have been around that long, it's probably just going to necessarily have some baggage from the past that newer things are not going to have. Mm. And so to a certain extent, this is a cycle. And that's one thing I really wonder about is like, what does that next iteration look like? Like, Does React just have a very long tail? It doesn't seem likely that anything is going to, you know, overtake it and be the thing at any point in the foreseeable future. So it's interesting to wonder Mm -hmm. what is the next era look like? What is the next iteration? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Hopefully it's React adopting more from other people, Mm -hmm. other libraries, but yeah. I think it's worth thinking a little bit also about the organizational structure that results in these frameworks, right? So many of both the places where React excels and some of the places where we're running into friction with it are tied to the fact that it is built still by Facebook and the focus and optimization choices that they're making are for solving the problems that Facebook has. And those problems like have a reasonable match with the problems that many corporations have when they're building JavaScript applications, but they are definitely like off on one end. And actually, I think you run into some of the same things with Angular, right? Angular is still primarily driven by what Google wants and what Google needs. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if Angular hit this level, well, I mean, early Angular kind of was really popular and then went through a lot of this and that. (laughs) Like, if you look at the satisfaction, people are deeply dissatisfied (laughs) with Angular, even though there's a lot of people using it. React has that view feels at this point much more community driven. I get the impression Svelte is going that way as well, even though both of those started with a benevolent dictator approach. They both kind of embraced a broader community rather than sort of going along the needs of a single corporation. So if they were to get there, they might do better. That being said, that may also make it harder for them to get there. Like, going back old school frameworks, like Ember was one of the first ones here. And they did so many things so well. And were also not backed by a single corporation, and they never got much adoption, relatively speaking. They've stayed very, very niche. Yeah. Mm, very good point. Yeah, I think that, K-Ball, like, the, your point about, like, Facebook solving problems for Facebook, and, you know, it really ties back to what Josh was talking about a little earlier, too, around, like, oh, you know, even the kind of the strictness and like the heavy opinions around data mutation is somewhat inherited from Facebook trying to wrangle its eventing architecture, right? Like there's so many things happening where, you know, you know, having that downward flow and being really strict and like, that was something that Facebook needed. And this is, this is a topic that I've kind of, we've talked about on the show even recently, I think Amelia and, um, and Nick in our like tech interview discussion we had a few weeks ago, I kind of brought this up around how, you know, these ideas and tools and problems within big tech are kind of proliferated throughout our community, right? Where it's like people don't contextualize it. It's like, okay, the problems that Netflix engineers have and the reason why they created this library, like they have problems that are unique to Netflix. Like Netflix in particular is a company that, you know, before the Disney pluses of the world, they were a very unique kind of streaming service that was operating at the scale. (laughs) They were very alone in that bubble, right? Like lots of people have joined them now. Right. But they were solving problems that are unique to Netflix, Facebook, the same thing. Right. When Facebook was scaling Mm -hmm. in that way. I mean, come on. It's like the biggest website outside of um, Google.com and Google.com is one input box and and a list view. Facebook was so, you know, all these interactive elements and really a fantastic place. Right. If you look, I don't know, for me anyway, I have to close my eyes on the product. 
right? Like if I don't think about what they're doing, like it would be a fantastic place to work as a front end engineer to kind of work at that scale and, you know, have to think about all of those elements and right. It's a huge website. So, you know, I think we just really like don't contextualize that enough. And I think for me, a bigger concern that I have is like the corporatization of all of our open source projects that we love and care about, you know, quite frankly, like everything, you know, it's coming supported by Microsoft now or Google or Meta or Netflix or, you know, Airbnb, you name it. Right. And these kind of community driven grassroots projects like View and Svelte or they're just, you know, Astro, they're just kind of feeling fewer and far, you know, few and far in between these days. So I just, you know, just wanted to point that out as like, just the kind of general smell that I see that's happening within our community right now. I don't know, you know, corporate projects are great. Like they're stable, usually have less bugs, lots of upsides, but at the same time, like, you know, we don't really have open governance around the roadmap at any point they can drop it and stop caring about it. Right. Like it's all kinds of reasons why like community driven open source is usually a, a better bet. But of course that comes with it's also has its trade-offs. Right. So I don't know. It feels like, um, where, you know, stuck between like decisions that are, it's like, here's bad decision and here's a less bad decision. Like, you know, like where's the good decisions right now? Like it's hard to really make that, I think, <laughs> for mm-hmm. front end, seriously. Is there anything that React could do to save itself? Like some kind of reinvention like Angular to Angular 2 or would it suffer the same fate? I think Angular to Angular 2 would destroy a lot of the goodwill that it's built up by being one of the most stable options out there. Yes. Yeah, agreed. They're too big to fail in many ways now. It's like they're like literally too big to fail, right? I mean, classes and hooks are not fully interoperable already, right? I mean, I guess you can use either one, so. That's true. Wasn't there like major changes? Yeah, you do not have to rewrite your apps to upgrade. I did a React upgrade recently, and it was seamless. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. a tremendous benefit. So that's a bit of a different thing, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've heard rumors that maybe there is some kind of new exploration being done in the hooks realm and to make hooks maybe a little more performant i don't know if that's going to change the syntax or if it's what's going to happen there i hear they're going to throw promises now (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) my opinion is that react is never going to stop being react i think it's too far down the road for the things that make it what it is to change at this point it's built on a foundation that you can't really just shift. So I don't foresee it undergoing a major change. So I don't think it's, much as I hate to use the phrase, I think it it sort of is what it is at this point. I'm sure it will continue to improve. It's got a very strong team of incredibly smart people behind it. Mm -hmm. But I think that the core foundation it's built on is bound to stay there. I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you so much, Josh, for coming on. We'll have a link to your your blog post in the show notes for people to check out. Congratulations to Jared for winning. Awesome blog post. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, thank you to Amelia, K-Ball, and Amel for joining as well and for viciously debating and supporting the sides that were assigned to you. We appreciate it. And we will catch you next time. All right. That is Jay's party for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this debate episode, check out some of the others in our back catalog. We've debated questions like, should we rebrand JavaScript? Is modern JS tooling too complicated? Were SPAs a big mistake? And a whole bunch more. 
Thanks once again to Fastly and Fly.io for partnering with us. Please check them out. They support everything we do. And of course, thank you to our beat freaking residents, Breakmaster Cylinder. Our beats are dope because BMC makes dope beats. That's how it works. Next up on the pod, Matteo Kalina returns, and this time he has his co-founder Luca with him. They just open sourced a brand new tool for turning your database into a REST or GraphQL API. It's called Platformatic DB, and you can learn all about it with us next week. RxJS, lol, not a lot to back it up, but okay.